Hello, everyone. Welcome to the New Human Podcast. This hello. hello. <laughs> We're here, uh, Sarah and Jasmine. And today we are going to dive into the topic of the holographic universe. So it has been sitting with me for a little while. Since a couple episodes, I mentioned it, I brought it up, and I was just trying to debunk um, some of the things I've been hearing. And then I made the claim of saying I hadn't followed it too much because I didn't like what I heard. And that that's no way to discuss a topic. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> it's something that Jasmine and I are passionate about talking about, um, because it helps us get to the root of who we really are and how we're here. And I think that's been a driving factor in both of our lives and many, many people's lives um, to understand who are we, what are we, how do we operate, what's our potential, how limitless are we. Um, why, why are we here? Yeah. <laughs> that's always a good one. Okay. So I'm just going to go um, – start with my little recent journey in the past few weeks. So after making a claim, and I'm very unhappy with myself for doing that without having any research to substantiate it, because I come from a science background and a spirituality background, but my science roots still hold strong, um, because that was the first way I was trying to figure out the universe. Everything I was being told didn't seem to make sense, and it seemed that science had answers. So I may or may not have said this before. I pursued a biochemistry degree to understand human. Um, I specialized in genetics. I thought I might become a genetic researcher, a genetic engineer. And through that whole process of getting a degree in that, I fell in love with physics because you do have to take a lot of physics classes. Um, now I love the theory of physics. I was not too happy with the math because of calculus <laughs> and Calc three was the only class I ever had to take twice. So I'm not wanting to pursue the math, but thank goodness other mathematicians and physicists are. So I like mathematics because it talks about structure and, um, repetition and <clears throat> formation for me, that's what mathematics within physics um, discusses. And same within biochemistry. It talks about those structural elements of being alive. And then, of course, calculus is used to describe the structural elements of this cosmic universe. So anyway, I had heard a lot of New Age um, and spiritual recent um, teachers talk about the holographic universe. And this had been my experience. And I'd recently watched a couple of videos after I watched one that really impressed me and made so much sense. And basically, you know, people just referenced these ancient texts. They talked about the holographic universe and what that means in multiple multitudes of ways. And they threw it all together, talked about the double slit experiment, mumble jumble quantum physics and um, the law of one and, of course, oneness, which of, I think you know we both completely subscribe to the law of oneness. So for me, it did not have a lot of scientific background to it whatsoever. It just didn't seem like a lot of people were understanding the science of it. So when I sat out to find, you know, what, what are people saying? What's the real truth? And obviously we don't know what the real truth is. The first video I happened to go to was perfect. It was on Gaia TV. 
It was called Quantum Revolution Series, I guess, Series 1, Episode 4. It was called The Holographic Universe Theory. And I lucked on to Nassim Haramin. Now, I knew of some of his work. I had no idea this was his work. And it was exactly what I was looking for because it explained everything in a very scientific and mathematical sense. And it was through the theory of black holes, which is a whole other coincidence because I was obsessed with understanding black holes because my mind couldn't wrap itself around them. Um, And we won't get into the qualities of all that now, but this whole theory is basically saying that, yes, we are in a quantum universe, but not in the way people describe. It's more like, you know, Russian nesting dolls and that, a lot of this was discovered on the event horizon of black holes and how our cells are little black holes and our operating, you know, universe is a black hole. And we know there's black holes at the center of the galaxy. So it's multiple repetition all in the event horizons of black holes, but black holes are incredibly tiny or incredibly massive and that's what this quantum holographic universe comes out of. So that's the science behind it. So Jasmine and I have been talking about it from different aspects. And that's the part that I wanted to bring to the table. Now, we can dive into it. But, you know, I don't want to have this be a science discussion. Because um, you can watch the Gaia TV Quantum Revolution Series 1 Episode 4 and understand everything that you can from a scientific perspective that makes sense to everything I'd learned before. And um, so let's talk about the oneness, the, um, I'm going to mess up the word, the simulacrum that teachers are talking about. Let's talk about how this all ties into our existence and what that holograph universe really is. Okay, cool. Um, Well, I love quantum physics as much as I can understand it, but what I love about math, what I love about where all of this leads is where the science meets the spirit. It's, it's where this is, this is what I love finding that formation, finding that perfect level playing field of understanding, which math represents. It's not, Oh, it's your truth. It's this truth. It's, it's actually a formation that we can all see has, is valid. It's, it's not about an opinion. It's not an ego. It's an actuality. And there's very, very few real actualities that we can find, especially on this planet where everything seems to be very manipulated. And to have that one reference point Um, such as frequency or vibration or energy or mathematics, which everything can come down to a mathematical equation through frequency. You can just, you can, you can add values of math to these certain things and make sense of it. And I think that that's really critical because it does use your critical thinking, which is really important right now, more so than ever before. And in that way, we can come to um, an understanding that bypasses all of the overlayers of dogma that has 
you know, really encapsulated our lives since birth and are even in the womb as we've spoken. So, you know, we're these pure beings of energy when we're conceptualized and we're brought into form. The second that we come into this realm, this dimension, we start having all of this ideology put onto us, you know, in layers and layers and layers of somebody else's truth of something else that's doing this. So by us going through that process and realizing who, who, what, what am I doing here? Who am I? Why am I here? What, what do I have to do with the universe? What, you know, all of these questions, the big questions that we, we ask, of course, I went through my, (laughs) my existential crisis, my first one, when I was, I don't know what, 10, why am I here? I I mean, I, it's like no one else I knew was asking that question, but it was really bugging me. And, you know, there was reason for that because I, obviously you and I, and everybody listening to this, that's interested in this has that in them. And we want to know the truth. So in that wanting to know the truth, we realize many, many, many different deeper truths. But I love going to the science part of this because it does allow us a common level playing field in which conversations can happen. Many different points of view, really looking at it from many different standpoints. And excuse me. I'm I'm going to pause right there and just play devil's advocate because this is what I love to do all the time with everything to myself, to others. I obviously want the scientific basis, but I'm also willing to throw it out the door if if we can prove that um, that's still a human construct, right? We're using math and science and repetition, which is still a human construct trying oh, to absolutely. figure out. Like, one to ten is a scale that we've created. The Planck unit is a scale that we've created. Photons is a size and a name that we've put on. Well, it was finally observable, but before we ever observed it, it was mathematical calcula- calculations, which is a human construct as well. So while I'm completely for the science, and I'm, I agree, it's like it's just like time. Time is trying to divine, define something as it moves through the cosmos. Mathematics is trying to build the structure of the cosmos, but I also understand their human constructs that may or may not be true. So I think absolutely, (laughs) yes, yes. Thus, the different um, points of view and perspectives that we're very, very, very open to um, looking into and really gleaning what we can from all the different points of view that we're hearing about right now, and that's. That's the really fascinating part of it is I'm not attached to any of it, but I'm very intrigued by all of it. And I do see the value of of the science with it as much as I know that it's going to change. As soon as we change, the science will change. And as soon as the science change, we'll change. It's just an ever-evolving paradigm that you know whatever it is that we live in whatever you want to call this it's ever evolving ever evolving and and the one thing that seems to hold true with everything is going to be that force called love that that element that just stays true no matter what we can all you know what I mean? There's, there's that so that's well, here we go. I'm gonna play I, I'm I'm for this 
you know, in my experience and in what I understand to be real in my reality, I believe that. But for the sake of this discussion, I'm going to even ask about love because I have presented theories about that as well, right? I believe it's a vibration. I believe it's a vibration and a core vibration of this universe that our bodies can tune into. Is it a core vibration of the universe altogether? I don't know. It's one for the human collective because our bodies have the ability to tune into it and then produce biochemical processes and hormones that make us feel what we call love. But when you take it back down to the science, the frequency, is it produced because we're here? I'm not talking about the feeling of love. I'm talking about the basis. I don't even think, I think love is the basis of everything. That's how I see it. That it's not about a feeling. It's not about, um, there's, there's different attributes of it, different rays of the sun but it's the sun and the sun just is, it is the thing that I feel like everything came from. So it's the basis of everything is that vibration. Okay. And so what is that substrate? This is where, this is where, you know, we start pulling it apart because, and it's not saying you're wrong because I believe that to be my experience as well. But when I try and pull it apart, what's the substrate that love is made out of? Is it a vibration? Is it plank units? Is it wave potential? Like what it's is probably it? all of it is my feeling. So I, I really, we, this is where you and I, it's funny. We always get to this point where I'm like, yeah, it's multidimensional. <laughs> it's multidimensional. It's whatever, honestly, most likely whatever you experience of it because it incorporates all of it. So it's whatever, whatever we're able to focus on in that moment we're going to see. And yet, so it's like, there you go. What is that absolute truth? There is most likely something that is more absolute, but at the same time, it all seems very much like it's what we are able to absorb as a frequency is going to allow us to see what we see, (laughs) you know, and there, it just keeps on and on and on and on and on. Beings expression can tune into that, but is is it's the tree in the forest right is love a vibration that a star can feel or a galaxy can experience or you know what is okay. that state that love is made out of it's we I intuit i intuit it as something that what i relate it to is very similar to what the people that have experienced near-death experience experience <laughs> when they talk about um being in in a nothingness that is full of everything. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I so experience that. I know because that is put a label on it. <laughs> right. That's what we experience in a deep state of meditation. So it's not a surprise. That's why I can understand listening to people that have gone through that experience and say, wow, I really resonate with that because I have experienced it in my when I let go of the ego and I go into a deep state of meditation. So it's easy for me to go, that makes sense to me. And in that experience, they're not having biochemical, um, physical, you know, experiences. They're, they're out of their body. They're now floating around as a soul or they're floating around as spirit. They're floating around in a different, something very different than what's physical. They've left that behind. So what is that? that They're floating around in the substrate of the universe, which is. You can call it the zero point, the quantum, the 
I don't know they don't because I think that is, you know, it's very interesting because, you know, when I was in school all those years ago, you know, space is a vacuum and uh, yeah, gravity is the influence of objects on each other. And it's a very standard model. And of course, quantum physics came into play and, um, you know, and I was so excited by it, but I still didn't have the definition of what is that ether? What is the substrate? And like the ancient Indian Hindu texts talk about the ether and, um, but even, even Tesla said that he knows that it's core. He knows that it exists, but he doesn't know what it is. I mean, we're here. I, I've never heard anybody, any spiritual being or any scientific being that I consider, you know, that I really respect say that they know what it is. They all say it's a mystery. Yeah. It's, an, it's, it's the name a God. Mystery. Is, yeah. Yes. And everyone's different interpretations bring to God or a great spirit or higher selves or. And I'm fine by that. Yeah. I'm totally fine not knowing what the ether is, but I intuit it as being this substrate or this um, potential yeah. that is made of this thing that is actually what love is, not the attributes of it that we feel through chemicals or whatever i mean just the basis of potential it's like whatever that is that nobody can can say they know what it is all right and that's the human i get that as the human interpretation of it is that absolute no probably not but i i had an experience in a temple in india where um we went through this process and every i I, you know it was an energetic experience it wasn't a physical I mean it was physical in the sense of my entire body was a, a, a lit like just on fire with energy and source and all I felt was love and gratitude and complete fullness and I was just in tears because it felt like to this body to this experience every single one of my desires that I had or didn't even know I had without words of what they were had been fulfilled and I was overflowing with this energy of, I can only describe as the energy of creation, the energy of gratitude, the energy of potential. And it was unlike to the degree that it flowed through my body. It was unlike any other experience before that. So I agree about the fullness and the, you know, the gratitude and the unity consciousness and the bliss and the love that, came through in that moment and there was no other (laughs) explanation for it other than the fullness of the conscious universe coming through Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. field. Yeah. Um, And then I still tear that apart because it still doesn't answer the core questions of what is it? (laughs) And and I don't know if that's relevant into us, you know, stepping into our full human experience and stepping into our new human um, experiences and new human beings. But I really feel like with all these stories of the holographic universe that are out there right now, people are getting derailed. Like, I think there's scattered understanding. I think everyone has a different interpretation. And I think a lot of people may or may not be going down the wrong 
path with this. And we don't need any more delusions right now in this world. We need to wake up. We need to understand what our real experiences so we can know what our real potential is and how we can step into our evolved selves. And I think that's why I feel um, strongly about a lot of the theories that are floating around out there. So while I, I completely agree with you, I didn't mean to stop you about that experience of love and bliss because that is my personal experience too. But I, I no, still, no, you, you're fine. Don't worry, you're not stopping me. Okay. Um, it's um, but there's also this other element with people going through their process of discovery because you know everyone's going to come at this in the way that they're drawn to it. If you're drawn to something you know, that's because that's in your field and it's something for you to know whether it is something for you to say, wow, I really don't want this or wow, I really need to go into this. There's, if that attraction is there, it, it will be met <laughs> because it's living in you. And, I know. you know, and that's just the thing it is. But the beauty of bringing it out and bringing these conversations to light is that we can discuss it a conversation that does not happen very often at all and look at all of these different sides. Now it's beautiful that you're like, I want to help my brothers and sisters, my rest of my human family, not waste their time going down areas that I know don't seem to make any sense. And, and are well, I just think people didn't have the science background that I did. And so they're right. so you can bring that to the table. That's what right. you get the chance to bring and to so the table. So it's that analytical critical thinking of, know that aligns with the physics and what scientists are trying to say versus yeah. your own limited interpretation of that. And that's, that's where I draw the line. Like if someone's using, Oh, well the holographic universe theory says this and no, it actually doesn't. That is your misinterpretation of it. Then we're wasting time and we're not using critical thinking. So that's, that's bring, you can bring that out. And that's what I want to know. Like, let's, let's talk about that now with, um, like with the simulacrum, which is, well, there's, yeah, I need to get a, there's three different people. There's three different people right now that come to mind with this. One of them is um, Archaics, and he's been bringing some amazing information. Um, and then Graham Hancock, who's been around forever, sharing his, you know, his, his stuff for a long time. And, um, and then we have an actual quantum physicist who was able to prove some really amazing quantum physics recently um is nasi meramine and and if you if but we i don't think call, he talks about the simulacrum i think he's trying no, no, no. He, he, but he does talk about the quantum physical aspect of some of the stuff that happens in the holographic universe right yeah and i but actually that, believe i everything i heard from him I'm like yes 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 it's, it's amazing it's amazing when you listen yeah. and he's of course he's a very spiritual being the same way you know, Einstein became a very spiritual being the same way Tesla, you know, that all of these beings that are heavily invested in, in physics, in right. science and physics, always come to that realization that, oh my God, I don't know what this ether is, but it's everything, you know? And it's like, then, then they can start to play with the different forms and the different, you know, scientific things that come of that and the frequencies and the vibrations and, bring that into physicality and see what that does. And wow, it happens to have an extremely healing, um, you know, property to it. I don't even think Tesla knew it was healing. 
Mm-hmm. He just knew it was free energy when he tapped into it. And then they started to see that it was actually healing things around the energy. Mm-hmm. And okay, so he got a chance to see what that did in, in the physicality. So all of these things, by knowing these different things and then triangulating some of this information, we'll get a sense of pulling the things that, um, that are more truthful from each of these paradigms as we're trying to glean what's going on, you know, uncovering and unraveling and poking and prodding into this realm that we really know very little about, but intuitively we know it's everything. Yeah. And we, we haven't, we haven't been given the opportunity to explore this our whole life because it's been censored and manipulated by the powers of be. So, so for, for the next part of this discussion, I don't know enough about the simulacrum. I can't even say the word properly. We'll probably have them on. We'll probably have them on our our podcast at some point. We're just yeah. Why don't you play that role, and I'll play what I understand about the Nassim Haramein role, and let's let's discuss it back and forth from. I guess you said Graham Hancock's perspective because I don't know his perspective, but I do. I don't know enough about either one of them to play their role. I just I just know. I can just say the things that I have experienced as far as what feels right to me in, as a simulation of like the matrix. Okay, the matrix so let's perspective. talk about that. Let's dive into the matrix theory. Cause you know, yeah. there's the flat two dimensional hologram theory, which I kind of talked about um, very briefly on another show. And there's a lot of people coming up. Well, we're, we're in a flat two dimensional experience, which feels like three-dimensional because it's a hologram and then there's also the theory of you know the tiny piece of hologram encodes for the entire thing and now from a data perspective that's actually true mathematically your cell is not going to make the universe a photon will have enough information in it to code for the entire universe from a mathematical standpoint and those are two very different things we're talking about information not um not actual matter or particles or, or things like that. So, so let's just dive into some of these. So let's talk, let's go first with the matrix. So let's, why don't you talk through the matrix and we'll, you know. Okay. Well, I think there's a reason why it's such an art, you know, an art, it's an archetypal, um, I don't know, not prescription. What's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's an archetypal view of reality. Yeah. Okay, it that was brought out in the movie, and um, I mean, it really, really opened up a lot of people's um, spiritual center. And I think the reason for that mostly is because of the the resonance of knowing that there is some sort of construct. Now, what the construct is is that is the debate. Is it? Is it in a, you know, is it a flat earth with a firmament or is it, you know, is it this, is it that? What is it? There is it, is it multi universes? Is it parallel universes? Are we, are we colliding timelines? Are we overlapping timelines? There's so many different ways that we can look at it. And, you know, honestly, I just, sometimes I feel like, okay, let's just go back with, with the matrix that just in case nobody knows what that is, I can't imagine but that's basically saying that there's a construct that we are, we have been put under and we are under a, um, a non 
moving construct that we cannot get out of until we realize and recognize that we're in it. And then it's up to us to somehow escape it. And you can look at it the way that we see it in life. It looks like through frequency, through raising your frequency. And in the movie, The Matrix, it seemed that the way that they did it, at least in the, in the film version, was they had to be unplugged um, from being having their life energy, you know, usurped by some uh, artificial intelligence, which is another hugely massive aspect of this. And that goes into a whole other, you know, but I think it has something to do with it. And that's basically like our future, um, our future selves, whether good, bad, whatever, indifferent, you can look at different artificial intelligences that have been running the show, whether it be for good or for evil and, or both. Um, so that's a whole other conversation, but well, it does. I think that we need to go there because this is what got us into this as two nights ago, Jasmine and I were on the phone. And I was walking getting exercise and we just started getting into a bit debate about and We don't like the word debate, <laughs> but it was kind of that because we just kept trying to peel back the onion and peel back the layers of it. Yeah, we're, and, we're representing as many different points of view as we can with our own experience. That's all. That's, that's all. It's, it, it is a, it's, it's a debate of sort, but it's just representing our points of view from, from what we've learned and gleaned and experienced right. in life and trying to bring it all out there. Cause there's a lot. Yeah. And trying to get to the root of it. So I don't want to okay. skip over the construct cause I had a different perspective of that. Cause um, I think the simulacrum, um, I'm sure. Simulation. I'm simulation. Wait, just make it easy. I know talked about us being avatars and I, you know, and the soul body was, you know, steps into form or steps into an avatar. And the part about that, that I felt uncomfortable with was the fact that I believe that the soul body is made of the same substrate as the physical body and that the energy of the soul is still made of the same universal construct as everything else. So I I remember we were discussing like, you know, the soul body has the same um, atoms, the same protons and the same, Plank units, meaning information that a rock has or that a tree has. And where is the boundary of stepping into and out of that matrix? And I thought that's where we were getting really interesting and not that we had any answers, but I thought that that was just, um, where's the line? Where does the matrix start and end? You know, our programming that we've had since we were in the room, is that our only matrix or is there some other kind of matrix? Like we can't get past because we can't use our imaginations big enough. If our imaginations were as big as this conscious universe, would there be a division? Would there be a separate matrix or an avatar or would we just be the same energy as consciousness? Because I think that's something that, I've been working, I know you have too, um, and I know a lot of people have, working on clearing out all the subconscious blocks and all the stuff that has... Creates division. Yeah, exactly. And 
once we clear that out, we become a clear channel for the universal consciousness to flow through us. And that's when the magic really happens. That's when the miracles show up and the synchronicities and everything seems like a big flowing experience of just being in the Tao. And it's all leading, and this is what I've seen, if it looks like something bad, it's all leading to our highest good. Like we're being Absolutely. taken care of. 100%. There has been yeah. nothing that has shown me differently. Does not matter what it is. And always in hindsight, it's just like, oh my God, that was exactly what either saved my life or brought me to this point. Or it's always, it's like, I always call it the conspiracy. The universe is conspiring for us to be in love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's conspiring for us to experience that state of perfect synchronicity of perfect yeah, and to push us towards waking up because it's, God knows there's standing over backwards yeah. to help us be in that place. And I mean, Most I went the time we're in resistance because we're hung on to our own ideas and our own wants and our own, no, I only know this way. So this feels safe. So this is the only way I'm going to do it. Yeah. And this is trying to push and change us. We encounter these obstacles that really don't need to be. It's, it's our, our resistance to where we're being pushed and flowed through this universe that we're hindering, not the universe is hindering. So I believe that the universe wants to take care of every single one. This is what's so amazing. This is what's so amazing about this. This, As above, so below, right? So Mm -hmm. as we are going through this process, you know, and right now we're really, really pulling and pushing and prodding to open the mind so that we can get more imagination, more light, more information, more energy into our construct, whether it's our personal construct becomes the collective construct, right? It doesn't matter. We want to break free so that we can be free, free to fly, you know, in this universe without, it doesn't matter if you have a body or not. You don't have to be dead. You just want to fly. It's your inclination to be okay, a free so- soul. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here because if, and this is what Nassim Harriman's, um, Harriman and ultimately many other famous, famous scientists have contributed this as well. The Hawking radiation, obviously we talked about Einstein and Richard Feynman and, um, oh my gosh, there's just so many different, um, pieces of it that have come together. So basically the work that has been done has been in the Planck unit, which is really set up by Max Planck in the 1860s, the founder of quantum physics, who talks about the smallest measurable particle, the smallest measurable energy, the smallest measurable, just about everything there is, was the Planck unit. So if this Planck unit and the Planck field, right, and if our entire universe is a Planck field, one proton contains all of the information for all of the protons in the universe. One proton is one proton and one electron. That's a hydrogen atom. <laughs> so let's, and so we have multiple protons in one, like you have 16 uh, protons in oxygen, 12 in carbon. That's the atomic mass is, is of any atom or any um, substances that, the number of protons in, in its nucleus. And that's what we talk about. So we have all of the information in the universe in one proton of one subatomic cellular molecule 
in our bodies. Yeah, but I'm not talking about the science of it. I'm talking about the the forever, like we're the text, the ancient text, going back to Sophia, going back to the Demiurge, going back to these ancient texts that are bringing up the very thing that humans go through on this planet, which is always this uh, struggle, this struggle, not so much the, the, the scientific understanding of how we get the information and that we should fractally be able to be exactly where right. if we, were we in want our to be. Form, why right. can we express but that? We, if we look at the history of where our beginnings came from, according to these ancient texts, okay, and one of them is the Nagababilla. I can't. I, I don't. It's. I don't it's know the, the name. Maha, of the, Maha, the Hindu text, the Mahabharata. Naga something, not Naga something. I don't know. I, I, I'm not learned enough. I haven't studied it enough. I just know I have been hearing these concepts of our creators okay. um, through these different ancient texts and the different struggles of the actual the, uh. the beginnings of, of Earth and the spirit Sophia and the demiurge or, or in where that particularly that might have come from according to these texts, which what came from Sophia's basic ego split off, like the uncooked parts of her, of this as, as this is the prime mother wisdom, the okay. primary mother, according to this text. And that was well, just- I'm gonna the, just name this. it because I actually did watch a couple of videos after my Nassim Harriman video, cause I wanted to learn about these texts. So um, the the Nag Hamnali Library, James M. Robeson. Um, Sophia is a frequency based on an energetic field, or it could be a fractal energy um, tied into the golden means ratio, which is what this text has said to um, talk about. So that is the first classic text. And the other ones that were referenced were some Gnostic, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, texts mm -hmm. from 30 A.D. to 400 A.D., which talked about the divine spirit in all of us. And um, basically they were one set of Christians in um, right after, I guess, the dawn of Christ and Christianity. There were many different sects, and the Gnostic texts were a part of that. So it was really interesting because what um, this was saying is, yes, the goddess Sophia is a flow of reality from eternity into nature and back. So it's coming from the pre-existent state of spirit. But I feel like this all happened after creation, after the holographic universe. So the same time, at the same time these were happening, the Sumerian texts, the Sutam and and no the Sumerian the Sutam maybe um, I'm I'm not sure I wrote that down correctly. Um, basically talks about Enki and 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 I always say that wrong. So mm -hmm. Enlil wanted to enslave humanity, and then the serpent was Enki who wanted to free humanity through knowledge. So to me, a lot of that sounds like a, um, oh my gosh, what is the word? A, a, a beautiful story talking about understanding that we're limited by our beliefs. Um, 
And then the Garden of Eden was pre-existent to the creation of matter. So the Garden Eden of Eden came into play when this beautiful holographic universe took form. And that's what the Garden of Eden is. Basically all of our existence of the, of the universe as we know it. So is it dimensional? It, it, was, it was pre-everything. And so they talked about frequency. And in, the, in, in all of that, I thought was really interesting because um, as you get into the Enuma Elish, which is another Sumerian text that was referenced, the creation myths came forward and talked about Tiamat, who was a reptilian woman <laughs> who wanted to um, populate the world. And she was positive. And apparently the Enlil was called Yahweh. And the serpent, Enki, was the one who wanted to free humanity through knowledge. And Yahweh is another word for God. So I'm, I'm listening to this, and I think a lot of people have come to the conclusion that the Christianity, the Yahweh, the Judaism, whatever um, religion is trying to enslave humanity through the religions. And I wonder if this is the story that attracts Luciferians into believing that is through the serpent. Right. The inversion trying to, yeah, exactly. Free human race through knowledge. So I feel like this is a construct as well. That was, it, it is. And it's, that's why I think it's so fascinating that this has been an ongoing paradigm that we've all kind of been experiencing for a long, long time. This right. isn't something that's new. And that's why bringing out these ancient texts and, and looking at these different myths, quote unquote, and, and seeing where these things came from makes a big difference because it allows you to see, wow, this has been, this has been playing out for a long, long, long time. Exactly. And, and where do we want to go with it? Why do we, I'm tired of it. I mean, personally, I'm tired of looking I'm tired of the ongoing need to have this um, <laughs> comparison and this right. contrast that's so needed when we know that that's, it's not needed. Another, it, it just, of course, intuitively, or it's my claircognizance, whatever knows that there are dimensions that this is very much not needed for growth or very much not needed to experience creativity or your creative essence or whatever. We know that. Right now, that's this is here in the human form at this particular time. We're going to go ahead and look at these different things and go, okay, I, I get it now. I, I'm, I'm opening my uh, awareness to this so that I can learn now how to evolve past it so right. that I can take my creative essence that I know what I am through this loving wisdom, this Sophia energy, and bring that forth bring that for claim it command it use it you know because right now we're because we're not given that as an opportunity unless you claim it and command it the conversation needs to happen so that you even know that it's possible to do so and having those ancient texts definitely let us know that this has been ongoing for a long time and it is a spiritual battle it doesn't have to be but that's right. yeah. that what has happened, you know, right now we're recognizing it as a battle. And, but, but I love talking about it because the more that I look at it right now, the more I see there's absolutely nothing going on. There's no battle only in what we are buying into with this construct. Because exactly. 
<laughs> right now, that construct is trying to make us see something and keep us, you know, like it's, it's and Enlil, right? So, yeah. So this is the whole thing. If these are the gods that created earth and, and maybe not at the level of the holographic universe, but somehow spiritual teachers have taken these texts and thrown them into the holographic universe theory. And I don't think they have anything to do with that. Right. Because it's, it's one creature's, um, you know, David and Goliath, right. You know, one creature trying to hold, another race down or another creature down out of what, out of what, out of greed, out of evil or out of the, just the way they're wired out of whatever. Right. Exactly. And I, I don't want people to get caught there because I just don't think it's as relevant to who we are and the potential of what we can become in these bodies, understanding that within the universe, once we get out of our minds, once we get past our beliefs, once we can raise our frequency and vibration, we can bring in more of this creative conscious universe into our being and our experience. And then we don't know how far that goes. We're still babies in exploring this. And, and I've been exploring it and you have too. And a lot of people have for a while. And we're still babies in understanding what our true potential is. We understand that things activate beyond our six sense or beyond our five senses. And we have a sixth sense happening in multiple ways. We, but that's probably just another stage. We know that we're operating in multi dimensions. We just can't see, feel, hear, or touch what that is, but when we're in higher frequency vibration ranges, I guess, we can intuit and download and perceive through other ways. So very, very much so. Yeah. Very how, much so. Yeah. How big does it go? And um, you know, what are we to creation? And how like where's we we limit the flow of creation through us by the nature of how we exist on this planet. How do we open up all the channels so creation comes through us? And I think that's where it helps to understand what really is a holographic universe. Yes, the holographic universe does speak about connectivity and oneness. Um, It talks about entanglement of particles. It talks about all knowledge and information being available to everyone in every photon that exists. And it is basically the oneness. It's basically oneness. It's, it's, you know, really that's, that's, I think the next level of where we're really going to come to from, um, from a a human perspective and what we're going into, what we're evolving into is understanding that more than anything. So I think that's why the holographic universe is becoming such a buzzword because it's opening the conversation to understand that, what we're just talking about through frequency. We have different perceptions that open us up to these different experiences of what it is to be alive, to be a life, to be, um, you know, which is so much bigger than what it seems to be on this planet. It's not even funny. Right. And we all know that I shouldn't say we all know, I hate to say that statement. Um, So many people know that life exists beyond this human form They've either experienced or they've read it or they've heard it or they've watched their reincarnation cycles. They've watched, you know, um, hypnotic regression back to other worlds. So, you know, it's also been said 
that perhaps the simulacrum, simul- oh. <laughs> I'm going to get this word by the end of yeah, this. Simulacrum. Okay. Um, is the fact that we can't remember our other lifetimes and we can't remember other places we've lived and we can't remember other beings we've been on other planets and other existences or other forms um, in our on our human evolutionary track, yeah. right? Yeah, I've I've actually talked to you about that too. But this is um, what there's there's one guy that does Morningstar, I think his name is, and he talks about he's he's indigenous and. Um, from one of the the tribes, the tribe? in Siberia. Yeah, it's and and or um, I don't know if it was a native Siberian tribe. Anyway, they really they passed through their generations. Their legacy was about, um, and this is very interesting. The very much are aware that we are in a construct because mm-hmm. they talk about when you do pass transition and you're free of the body. Um, to sit in to sit in the darkness don't this is what they pass down to their the elders to the children and this is their legacy they say that the light and this is going to be really interesting to go into this one that the light is actually an uh, an ai technology that takes your that erases your memory and thus uh, men in black you know how the that particular religion of luciferian they have to they have to show everything they're doing that's just part of their thing, apparently. So in Hollywood, a lot of these things come out, a lot of these movies that have, you know, the like they will tell you things that they're doing. Okay, so it was very interesting because I read that book and it was all about the knowledge of and the wisdom of um, of the mother, really, of the female, of the female energy. And But this was one thing that really stuck to me because at that point I was just like, why do I feel like, somehow I wasn't allowed to leave when I wanted to. And I, and I was, I had felt this feeling very deeply. And then that book came and that book expressed um, that actually the Lords of Karma were there that were not serving the light necessarily. If you want to call it the light, they were there to keep people coming back to the planet to keep them back imprisoned into the planet. So there are actually indigenous, um, you know, legacies and and myths that are being brought down from generation to generation that are very much sharing with their children and their to, to be aware once you transition to not necessarily run to the light, but to just sit in, in your the void I believe they call it the void and absorb the incredible love that you feel in it because they all talk about that part of it and, and let yourself call your highest self, whatever, whomever that may be, let yourself sit in it. Don't run off to the light because what they're saying is you can choose that at any time. There isn't like this three day period where if you don't go there, that's it done. Cause there, there are, I've heard people say that. Nope, you got three days. And if you don't go in that light in three days, you're going to go to hell. And I'm like, wait, okay, that doesn't feel right to me. But, you know, and that's why I'm bringing it out because there, there is an aspect of the light that gets very, um, that could be talked about. Let's just put it that way. There is an aspect of what that light really is and how it's been inverted. I mean, the Luciferian is 
you know, that whole thing is about um, the bearer of light. All that whole twisted, there's a twistedness that's happened there. So there is something to opening up that conversation too about what is the light and then what is this void? Why are you so drawn to this black hole? Why is dark matter one of the, probably the most amount or what the universe is more dark matter than anything else? Well, not in Austin Harriman's theory, but that has been a standing theory for a long time. It has been a standing theory. And not that I know it, but I'm sure that there's a lot of stuff. I know that's one of the things that I had definitely studied and looked at. And when I was looking at Nassim, I know that he has broken a lot of that, which is awesome. I love that. I love that about him. He's he's amazing. And it's really interesting because when I heard Dark Matter, I'm like, well... I, I it, it, my intuitive sense basically said, well, no, it's just got to be the other dimensions that we can't perceive right now. And, and it's the other dimensions that they can't see, feel and perceive that was, you know, making those interactions or the numer- the numbers work the way they're working, because I just thought they were other frequency bounds. So it's very interesting that we both intuited something different than, um, you know, necessarily the standard what we've been taught to believe in school. Yeah, no, totally. And, and it's because it, nothing I was taught in school ever really made sense because it just glossed over it. And then that you just take a test and that's it next. Right. It does. You don't learn anything. It's just all kind of rote. Well, I really tried. I tried to pull I, a lot. I, of I, I, so I do want to dive into that because of course these kind of things still fascinate me as I'm watching the video on the ancient texts so I could learn a little more about what people are saying. Um, the scientists did come on. There was a spiritual guy. I'm not sure what his title or name was. But he started talking about PP1, which is protein phosphatase 1. Now, that's an enzyme. It's kind of a, uh, an enzyme substance that will take um, you know, a phosphate off of a protein or amino acid or whatever, which really leads to degeneration and breakdown of that protein. So anyway, this PP1 seemed to be programmed in the human brain and it has the ability, this is what he said, and of course I pulled out my biochemistry book, but my biochemistry book is way older than this new cutting edge science. So I couldn't find much about it um, in, in my, you know, in what I could use as a reference. So I started doing some searches on the internet, but I didn't get too far because they're definitely not talking about this. Um, his theory was that we were genetically manipulated with this PP1, which would give us the ability to forget. It's the degradation right. of right. memory. Right, right, right. The programmed blockage on the brain. Right. That was fascinating to me because I'm like, wow, if that's possibility that this isn't natural and this was genetically programmed into us for some reason, then our creation stories are very different, which we already believe they are, than um, we've been told. Well, and it goes through with what I was just talking about with, with this, you know, with the light that was actually a technology to make mm-hmm. you forget. Exactly. So, you know, and that is then that kind of that prison planet. So why are we made to forget? Right. Why, what's the point of that? Unless we are meant to be, unless whatever it is that's messing with our genetics and our DNA, 
wants us to be a certain way where we're not supposed to break free? Why would they want us to forget anything? So that is the crux of this. With the knowledge, with the ability to understand the bigger picture of we, like, I think anyone listening to this podcast can agree we have been limited in so many ways and we see that happening now more and more that there's no question about it. Like it's happening all around us right now to degrees that were not to be, um, it's just so clear that we can't even say, no, that's not happening. You know, unless we have complete cognitive dissonance (laughs) and I think everyone's waking up from that from the past two years. So um, if this control that has been happening for how many thousands of years? I don't know, 40,000, 10,000, 2,000? I have no idea. Um, or, or maybe it's brand new and maybe, as everyone said, and you know, with the mud flood in Tartaria, we just started all over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's so, so many theories out there. And, and I think trying to break down what's real and what our reality is is – interesting and it's um hopefully will drive us to not caring about any of them and just seeking 100 percent freedom bingo. <laughs> bingo. bingo that's exactly where i keep going it's just like anything it's infinite possibility and because of that you're just gonna rack your brain you're gonna get really burnt out on it and you're gonna be i just want to love man i just want to be in peace i just want to feel free i just want it's always goes back to the same basic understanding of, I just want to be happy and, and in love and feel free. Yeah. There's really, it's that spirit that, and that's what comes through in these ancient texts, like with Sophia's spirit. And then there's these, you know, master geneticists that are manipulating and fooling around with our DNA and they think they own us. And well, you know, up until a point until we, we claim our freedom and until we are like, wait a second here, you know, until you love yourself enough to ask those questions and to say, look, I'd, something just doesn't seem right. So I'm going to go ahead and look into something else and see what I glean. And when you do that, you bring awareness and you bring the light in. <laughs> you bring that. Exactly. And everything starts to change from that point and nothing can stop you. So that is what we keep coming back to. And that is. And I think we just came full circle, right? Because we totally came full, the, whole, the whole. Is it an hour? It an hour? Because that's I think funny. we're probably about an hour or two. Because the whole thing is like, let's not get distracted by all these stories of what the holographic universe means. There is a scientific basis for it. It's all about the properties of information. And, and I'll, I'll end with that beautiful description of Nassim Harriman's and, and it's what seemingly makes um, mathematical sense and so much mathematical sense, but it's not all of these other things and all of these next new thing to talk about and the spiritual front to get distracted with again. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, there's, oh, there's one after another after another. Oh, we're all going to talk about the crystalline fraction of our DNA. Okay. Our DNA is crystalline in the nature that it is repeating building blocks of, of you know, atoms and, and compounds. Yeah, we're all made of stardust. The thing about the DNA is that it holds light, and no one's talking about that. Everyone's like, let's just get more base pairs activated. No, no, that makes junk protein. Your body can't handle that. They don't know what to do with it. It's garbage. 
and <laughs> maybe it'll make some compounds that we don't know about yet, or maybe it'll make garbage. We don't know, so you can't say that. So let's not go down another rabbit hole. And then it changed into, you know, the heart math. Great. Well, physics explains that too. It's beautiful. It's an actually beautiful concept. But physics very simply explains that as well. But they turn into these big things that the spiritual community all gets stuck on. And I think, you know, we talked about this from another a number of different angles. And let's not get caught there. Let's just acknowledge that yes we're in a holographic universe not in the way most people are describing and who cares let's just <laughs> right, and up the from the level where we're at right now whether right. we're in a simulacrum or not whether we're limited by our beliefs let's move beyond that and and expand into who we are and what we are and not necessarily having to define it because we're all learning as we go yeah, and, and but I do love that everybody seems to have their own um, point of being here. You know, like their own their yeah. own point of reference that they are very drawn to and are very passionate about. Yeah, and they live their life for that. They live their life in pursuit of understanding something that they're drawn to through passion. And I love that. So I for me, you because I, did, I love that. And and so listening to different people, I am learning. It is expanding my my brain. It's expanding my, it's expanding me past this construct. That's just the easiest way for me to say it so that I feel more free than this. And I know I'm more free than this, no doubt. But when I understand something, it does bump it to another level. So there is something to knowledge that is very universal. Oh, very, I absolutely agree. Very, very Akashic. It's very much a part of who we are, mm-hmm. but it means nothing if you don't have that Sophia, <laughs> if you don't have that right. frequency of love, because that's where everything comes from. It's not the other way around in that text. In that, in that old ancient text, it wasn't that knowledge came first and then Sophia. It was the Sophia who embodied the wisdom. Mm-hmm. She spewed out fragmented parts of herself that became the demiurge later in time. It wasn't the other way around. And that's what I think we really have to remember this basis, this frequency, because, you know, whether it is a lizard face that is, I mean, who knows, who knows? There's so many things, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean we, there's something to this reptilian brain. There's something about reptile that's a part of our universe and it's, it is a part of our paradigm and, you know, it's part of our story. I don't know really exactly how, but looking at these texts where they include that is pretty wild. Yeah. And it's a part of us. I'm sure that will come. But it's not, it's, it's not the really important part. The, the knowledge part comes as needed. But it's that understanding that getting in that frequency where, where we are feeling the magic, where we are experiencing the synchronicity, where we're feeling very full. Right. You're letting, you're in the Tao, letting that flow through. Yes. That is the important part of being here. The other stuff comes and then we can talk about it. We can debate about it. We can look at all these different new shiny spiritual toy concepts that come out, which is fine. It's good to do, but it's really just so that we can really feel like, okay, yeah, and I do want to correct, like, I don't want to talk negative about what anyone is saying, because it is all exploration, and I think that's beautiful in itself, but I also, when you said, well, everyone here is pursuing, you know, their own thing, 
which is true because some of it's karmic. Some of it is to make amends. Some of it is out of fear. Some of it's out of greed. Some of it's out of love. Some of it's out of the need for love. And so I'm not, I don't necessarily believe that everyone understands, um, well, they might not have a bigger picture. See, I debate even the words that come out of my mouth because I don't always believe. Are you debating yourself again? I am because I don't always believe. Like, uh, there's so many ways to understand things and so many levels of understanding that I can't hold anything to be true, uh, exactly. and I do hold everything. The to be same, true. exactly. It just makes me laugh. I mean, yeah, going into this really super deep, it's just it's like a fractal. You go start really large and you get smaller and smaller and smaller and then you would pop out in this big thing again and then you, you absorb some of that and then you chew yeah, at it and it gets a little smaller and smaller right. and smaller. Because I do believe there is a perfection oh. in all of it. And so if someone's pursuing something, even if it's greed, there's a bigger reason why they're pursuing it. And it's a soul yeah. lesson or it's a soul journey or it's they're gonna it's going to be the next quickest thing to wake them up to the bigger perspective. Cause I believe everyone is on an evolutionary journey. And I also believe right. that most people don't even know that. Right. So, <laughs> right. Well, the people that are listening to this, if you're still on this, if you're still listening to this, then right. you're on an evolutionary <laughs> journey that you want to know some really, you know, you, you want to be free. You, you want to be free. And that's, that's why we're here. We're here to, to support, to be a part of, to, um, to be a catalyst for change, to to bring out and to and to thrive off of each other's humanity in this oneness. Really, that's so much of what my experience of being here is: is to really understand what we are on a super core level, so that we can get past all of these divisive um, constructs that have been p- placed on us, so that we can break free of that and just finally get a chance to experience our beautiful one human family for once. You know, and really claim that and really experience living that for a few million years. Wouldn't that be nice? So bringing that onto the planet and seeing what we can do with that, with our creative essence. And, you know, I think that that when they talk about the thousand years of, of peace, the golden age, it has something to do with that somehow. Yeah. So, um I'm just going to, <laughs> as you talk about the Sophia energies, I just want to talk about the, spin, the spinning of the Planck field into existence in the universe connects it all together since all information is present in one point in the center of the atom. So I want to tie the Sophia creation story and the Sophia energy back into the holographic universe through the spinning of this little tiny, tiny microscopic Planck field um, that everything comes out of. And I, I believe they're one and the same. I believe that Sophia energy, that is the creation energy, is the spinning of this Planck field as we bring everything into existence out of the singularity point in the center of an atom. And it just extrapolates out to the whole and let's make, let's make it a meditation let's 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 because i've already closed my eyes and i'm like okay go yeah go. you know like that's it feels like a meditation an expansive meditation right when you said that that's mm-hmm. what it feels like 
Okay, so I'm just going to blow everyone's mind because this is the, uh, let's just end it here because this is something I'm still trying to process on a, on a, you know, substantial basis, which is all of, so the Planck unit is the smallest measurable everything. We started that, um, that is in creation. It's beyond subatomic particles. It's the tiniest, tiniest measurement of when something comes into existence. So when you take all of the information in one proton, which is one nucleic particle of an atom, and you count up all the planks in that proton, it gives you information from the unit of the plank out to the edge of the universe, right? The tiniest difference out to the edge of the measurable universe. And then <laughs> they've determined that there's a subplank unit, which is the same size from the plank, which is the tiny center of the tiniest little atom nucleus, one proton, all the way out to the edge of the universe. That's repeated within the plank. The subplank has the same <laughs> numeric distance from this little tiny thing to the edge of the universe, and that's one subplank. So it's a universe in a universe in a universe in a universe. So, yeah, it's nothing we could ever possibly comprehend. But I think the one thing that I'd love to pull out of this for um, us and for our listeners is that it's endless, it's boundless, and it's infinite beyond anything we can imagine. Even if we can imagine infinite, we have no idea what that means. And that's what we are. We are made of that same substrate. We have the same imagination of anything coming into existence through that substrate. And we hold its characteristics and its features of this same substrate. The tiniest, tiniest little micro unit out to the entire edge of the visible universe. Um, and that to me is the most, <laughs> there's no words. There's no words on how that can inspire us to be so much more than what we think we are. These limited little okay. ideas of what we think we are. It puts a new meaning to the, to the phrase we're made in his image. <laughs> yes. Uh. Okay, everyone. We've talked for a while. If you've hung on this long, thank you. It means you're trying to get to the root of this just like we are. And there's, there's so many theories and so many so much to discuss and so much to think about just from one little point of discussion today. So give us a holler. Let us know what you think. Um what's your theory? <laughs> what's your theory? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. and ultimately, how do you want to grow into all that you want to talk about? Yeah, into the, the this new human. Okay, right. to lead with a little. Thank you, pleasure. thank you for leaving me in a beautiful meditative state. <laughs> and um, we'll see. We'll hear. We'll, we'll hear you. You'll hear us soon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in a week. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Signing Bye. off. This is Jasmine and Sarah for the New Human Podcast. Bye.